Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. That's a smasher. What is it? What I think it is. Is it an owl? It's a kestrel. Where you got it from? Found it. Is it tame? It's trained. I've trained it. Billy pointed to himself and smiled across at the hawk. Don't it look fierce? It is. Does it kill things and eat them? Of course it does. It kills little kids on bikes. The boy laughed without smiling. It don't. What's that thing that it's eating now then? It's only a piece of meat. It's a piece of leg off a kid it caught yesterday. When it catches them, it sits on their handlebars and rips them to pieces, eyes first. The boy looked down at the chrome handlebars and began to swing them from side to side, making the front wheel describe a steady arc like a windscreen wiper. I'll bet I dare stroke it. They'd better not. I'll bet I dare. It'll have the hand off if they tries. One of the great, authentic Barnsley accents. All right, that Congratulations. <laughs> Welcome to the Curiously Specific Book Club, the podcast that's curiously specific about dates and locations in well-known books. Every episode, we take the book out for a walk to try and work out if the locations in the book match up with the real world. Hello, I'm Tim Wright. I'm a digital writer and a producer of immersive fiction. Uh, I'm Lloyd Shepard. I'm a digital producer and writer of non-immersive fictions. And today, we are going to immerse ourselves in... Uh, well, in the in South Yorkshire, you immersed yourself in Barnsley immediately. In Barnsley, uh, well, a place called Hoyland Common, yeah, which is actually about seven or eight miles from Barnsley, uh, and we're taking a book out for a walk. Well, actually, we're taking a book out for a bit of a fly. Oh, nice! I would say like I that? like it. Yeah. I like what you did there. A kestrel for a knave. A kestrel for a knave by Barry Hines. Barry Hines. It spawned a very famous film, Kes, called Kes, because yep. Kestrel for a knave is a bit long on the poster. I presume. <laughs> One of the great British movies. By Ken Loach. Directed by Ken Loach. Also astonishingly faithful to the original book, largely because Barry Hines co-wrote the screenplay with, with Ken Loach and with Tony Garnett, the producer. He's very talented writer, natural writer, don't you feel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the film came out in 60... 69. 69. The book came out in... 68. 68. We should just say to the listener that it's called Kettle for a Knave, and it's a very straightforward story, actually, about a 15-year-old boy who's at a secondary modern school and is kind of being written off yes. by society at the age of 15 because he failed his 11 plus and then went to secondary modern rather than grammar. And they're expecting him to leave school in, at 15 and just go down the mines. And yeah, that's because it. That's, that's what and you do. And he's too. considered to be quite stupid. He doesn't pay attention enough. He falls asleep. He's always late for stuff. We know those kids, don't we? We do. Oh, maybe in one of them, I think. <laughs> but anyway, he displays an enormous natural talent for training this kestrel that he's got as a chick and, yep. brought, and reared and then has... An uh, IS. He's learned falconry all by himself. He's learned falconry from a book. Yeah. So it's a story. It's a kind of parable fable about how you can't write anybody off and everybody's got a talent somewhere and it needs to be nurtured in some way. Well, also, more specifically, I think it's a fairly damning critique of the English 
uh, education set up in the in the sixties. Yeah, so Barry Hines was a teacher. Was a right? teacher. So and, that's uh, that's where, where it's coming from. Yeah, and he he was actually somebody who hadn't been left behind by the education system. But we'll 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 talk about that when we come to more about Barry Hines. But uh, I think we're going to start in in Barnsley. Bar- Sorry, is that how you say it? We you, don't say. How do you, we're not how do you two say men it? from the south. We're not going to spend all day of going Barnsley. 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 So I'm um, not going to pretend to be from South Yorkshire for the purposes of this podcast. I wish you would. <laughs> I say Biddy beckoned her out Now what? Where's there a bookshop? Well, there's prize up the arcade That's the best one Oh yeah, I know He went out into the sunlight People crowded the pavements and gutters And on the road the traffic was jammed Honking in two straight lines Biddy screwed the form up and dropped it into a grate It bounced on the bars then fell between them He squeezed between a car and a bus And jogged down the centre line of the road Car drivers with their arms resting on window ledges looked up at him as he passed. The vehicles at the head of one line began to move, but he slipped back onto the pavement before the reaction in the chain could reach him. He looked in at the window display, then walked through the open doorway and crossed to a rack of paperbacks. The shop was as quiet as the library. It's quite quiet here. It's quite quite quiet. We're in the Victorian arcades in, uh, in Bartley, just down from the town hall. We've been to the town, the museum, which was very interesting. And yes. an orchestra display. They did, they had a stuffed kestrel. A stuffed kestrel. They got it out of the bin. A, copy, a VHS <laughs> copy of the film and a signed photograph from Ken Loach. the actual one. <laughs> um, so Billy comes to, uh, he, he goes to the library. Uh, and then when, they, when he can't get a book out of the library because he's, he's not a member, yeah. he comes down to find a b- bookshop in Victorian Arcade. Unfortunately, there isn't a bookshop here anymore, somewhat unsurprisingly. Dancerama. Great. Although I have to say I'm slightly relieved because I was slightly worried that you were going to make me reenact him nicking the book. Well, that would have been good. That would have been good for you. We haven't been to the library yet where you have to go and ask for, a, excuse me, do you have a, a book on falconry? <laughs> I've got falconry. In your best South London accent. I say. Barnsley's great, isn't it? It's very nice. It's very interesting. Um, the library, of course, that he went to isn't there anymore. Oh, is it not? The building's not there anymore. No. Barnsley Central Library, to be demolished, I've found on a new site. 2014, so quite recently, Okay, will be demolished and its services relocated and in its place is uh, going to be and is Barnsley College. It's right next door to the famous Barnsley Chronicle newspaper headquarters and then the Cooper Art Gallery, all on that street. So you have a good cultural outing and yeah. you walk down there towards the town hall, yeah. have a quick look in the museum there at the Barnsley lovely. Free, ad- free admission. And then don't be put off by the full-size um, Cliff Richard at the door. I didn't understand why he was there. Well, there's, to a, that well there's a Slazenger experience in there. So the, uh, the factory that produced Slazenger and Dunlop tennis balls was in Barnsley, only closed in 2002. Is that right? All the Slazenger and Dunlop tennis balls in the world Come from Barnsley. came from Barnsley. That's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. I, the other thing I learnt was also was there was some world-famous uh, uh, ping-pong player from there. He had Slazenger rackets, little ping-pong rackets. Oh, really? He was the first English ping-pong player to go and play in China. Very good. In the early 70s. Very good. Well, the other sportsman, of course, that we just discussed, read all about in the, in the museum was Charlie Williams. Yes. Who the uh, very... Oh, I didn't even realise he was a footballer until today. I mean, oh, did he, you I knew, well, I remember him from when he was a comedian. He was on the comedians, wasn't he? He was. He was he? quite actually around the period of this book. He was quite famous. He was quite famous. And before that, he played for Doncaster Rovers, I think. Yeah. So he's a footballer like Barry Hines. Like Barry Hines. Barry Hines. Football, football in tradition. Anyway, so you walk down there, town hall, town hall, and then uh, come out the town hall, and you'll down the steps, and then you'll see in front of you. You just go. You'll see a sort of a street going down the hill. Yeah. Just walk down there a little bit to your right and then left there's the Victorian Arcade and that's where he would have walked in so he would have walked basically down past the Cooper Gallery and then he would have flipped in left into here yeah. to nick a book to nick a book what are we going to nick? Ah, that's lovely my old flowers that's grand you're all like hey hold on hold on no I said to tell you this I there were a bloke, you know, he got a little lad about 12 year old. Ooh, and he were a warm little book. He were a warm. <laughs> and do you know, do you know, he were always pinching things, always pinching, you know. And he thought there's something wrong with him. 
Ah, it's funny how they come to that conclusion, isn't it? Don't <laughs> so I thought I'll take him to one of these psychiatrists, them, them funny blokes, then. <laughs> so he took him to a psychiatrist. He says, now then, old love, he says, can I do a fat lad? <laughs> he said, well, I don't know, Flower, what's up with you? He said, well, he's always, he's always taking things, always pinching. Oh, he said, is he? He said, well, sit there. He said, it'll cost the hundred quid. He said, what for? He says, to, 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 to analyse, to diagnose what's up with him. He said, hundred nicker. He said, aye. <laughs> he said, go on then, go on. Get him inside, I'll, I'll pay it. Three minutes later, he's back out. He said, it's right. He says, that what? <laughs> He said, I've diagnosed what's up with him. He said, three minutes, hundred quid, I've diagnosed what... He said, I am. He said, well, what's up with him? He said, he's a thief. <laughs> so should we talk about Barry Hines himself? Yes, we should. Born 30th of June, 1939. Sadly died quite recently, 18th of March, 2016. Yes. Uh, born in Hoyland Common. Uh, yes, which might be the reason the whole thing is quite misleading, isn't it? Yeah. You know, because obviously we've just turned turfed up in Barnsley. Yeah. But you said to me, you said to me, are we sure that the city that's talked about in this book is Barnsley? Yeah. And I had a horrible sinking feeling in my stomach when I went and searched for, is the name Hoyland or Barnsley ever no. used in this book? It's not, is it? It isn't. The only thing that's said is the, the mention of the Victorian Arcade in Barnsley. There doesn't seem to be a Victorian arcade, at least called a Victorian arcade, in Sheffield, which is the... The other, the other possible city, right? It's a little bit further away from Hoyland Common to the south, but not a lot further away. We've got and the, the road that runs along the side of Hoyland Common today is actually called the Sheffield Road. And he talks about the city road in the book. Deep sigh. Deep sigh. Going to be a bit of a theme of this podcast is that Tim's frustration with Barry Hines's, I think, fairly determined and deliberate efforts to put you, throw you off the scent... Yes. Quite annoying for you. Yes. So Barry Hines was born in a two-up, two-down, and he was the eldest of two sons, born to a minor. Is this book dedicated to his brother? It's dedicated to his brother, who... It was a very good Greg Davis documentary about um, Kez and Kestrel for Nave mm. on BBC. And I hadn't realised until I read the documentary that the character of Billy is based on Barry Hines's brother. I didn't know that. Who either. flew Kestrels. Aha. I mean, there's an incredible scene where he gets um, Richard, Richard Richard Hines to fly a kestrel. And he, by now he's a man in his sort of late 70s. And he does it straight away. And he goes, I've not done that for 50 years. It's really moving. It's very, oh, very moving. Look at you, you um, softy. <laughs> so his father worked at the Rockingham Pit. Oh, we're going to have to talk about we'll mine. talk about the Rockingham we? Pit. Yeah. He actually, at the time, we'll talk about this when we talk about this sort of context for the year, but he did very well in his 11 plus. Barry Hines, uh, which for those not familiar with the term is what used to be the system and still is in some parts of the country, like the place I grew up in Kent. Within a few years, it will be back. Everything's it, coming be back. back. It was an All incredibly iniquitous system whereby you took an exam at the age of 11 and basically and then got divided up into a cohort of people who went to grammar school if you did well in the exam. Mm. We might talk about that and the down sec- the line. Yeah, Another cohort that went to secondary modern. Anyway, Barry Hines did very well, got into a grammar school, but then... He didn't enjoy it there, though, did he? He left at 15. He was. He didn't do his. He didn't do any exams. Well, the other thing about Barry Hines is he was very, very good at uh, football. At football, yeah. Absolutely. He had a trial for Manchester United. No, he didn't. Oh, did he not? No, he didn't. So uh, I, they, there's, there's in internet. every documentary you read about Barry Hines. Yeah, just to go about his, about his it says that his, his bloody mindless letter from Richard Hines to the Guardian in oh, response come to on. the obituary. Well done, Lloyd. Barry did not have a trial for Manchester United, as suggested in the piece. Yeah, but he was invited to take part in one. I was eleven when a United scout who wore an overcoat and trilby brilliant knocked on our door and I recall how my pride turned to dismay when Barry turned down the offer of a trial because he wanted to become a PE teacher. Wow. Richard then says when he taught in London Barry played semi professional football for Crawley Town before he returned to teach in Yorkshire, where he played for Stocksbridge, which is the former team of Jamie Vardy. I think Bob Wilson was at Loughborough at the same time he as was. him. He went to Loughborough after... Uh, yeah. And they were quite. They were in the same football team. They were. He was quite major. Well, before he went to Loughborough, so he, he left the school at 15, didn't do any exams, and I love this story. He said the other boys thought him a bit of a sissy 
Well, because he carried on playing football school. with the with the secondary modern kids. Yeah. They were his mates. So, so then he, he went down the pit. Yeah, yeah, he went to Rockingham. As an apprentice he? mining surveyor at Rockingham. Mm. So it's it a really good story. Proved to be something of an awakening. On the fir- This is from the Guardian obituary when he died. On the first day, he was terrified as the cage took him underground. And once there, he sensed the scorn of the miners who thought surveyors didn't do real work. One day, he was crawling on his hands and knees along a low passage near the coalface when he saw Bill Hawksworth, a neighbour from Hoyland Common, cutting coal. Barry felt pleased to see him and said hello. But as Bill recognised Barry, he failed to smile. In fact, he looked disgusted. Is this the best job you could get? He said, and resumed work. Oh, wow. So it was like, there were, the response was, you had a chance to get out, and you didn't take why did, it. Why wouldn't you, you idiot. take it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and after that, he gave up the job and went to Loughborough, as you say, to, um, to study to be a teacher. And then there's a lovely story about him being at university. He'd never read a novel. He used to read comics. Comics? The Dandy and the Beano. You know, that, <laughs> that's what he read. And he was sharing room with someone at Loughborough, and this other guy was studying English. And he goes, you know, has that got a book I could read? Oh, well done. Um, you went and the guy it. gave him Animal Farm, and he read it in one sitting. Oh, wow. Wow. Amazing, and, right? Interesting, isn't it? And then he was off. He wrote a radio play, which I think is online, with Arthur Lowe in it as a doing a doing his Barnsley accent, right. which is about as challenging as yours. Okay, I'd say. very good. Tony Garnett asked him to write another radio play on the back of that one, and uh, and he said, "No, I'm working on something else." Ah, which is so, this book, right? Which was which, now um, you said it's all, it wasn't written in Hoyland. I didn't realise that. Uh, no, he spent three months in Elba. Oh, really? <laughs> Okay. Yeah, he Gosh. got some money. He got was some he a, money. Was he a short man? He got some money from the BBC. <laughs> was he a short well, man with plans to take over the world? Well, we were laughing because you know the uh, the book is quite unspecific about quite a lot of locations and stuff. But you know the only other famous denizen of Elba would have would have had quite a lot of maps, definitely, and timetables, detailed maps uh, for the uh, immediate reinvasion of North Northern England. I think the, yes, the siege of Barnsley Library would have been well planned. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we were just wondering whether you've got any books on Falkenberg. Um, yeah, upstairs. Maybe upstairs. Oh, yeah. Upstairs at non-fiction. Is that the next floor up? Yes. Great. Um, yeah, ones that been stolen. Oh, no, the people nick them. No, but Billy Cash. <laughs> <laughs> you got you there. <laughs> they always say to you when you start the course, you know, oh, when we're going to do Kes, sir, when we're going to do Kes. And you say, year 11, year 11, we'll just hold on a bit longer. And the quicker you can get it done, the more than everybody wants to read it and everybody wants to watch the video. You know, even now. Because sometimes I say to classes, don't you think it's a bit out of date now? And they say, well, yeah, but there's this person in it, and there's, it's like that sometimes in PE, and it's like this, and, you know, they identify with it. And they, they all know kids. Everybody knows lads like Billy. Even now, I think, there's less of them. Got any books on Hawks, missus? The girl behind the counter looked up from sorting coloured tickets in a tray. Hawks? I want a book on falconry. Not sure. You better try ornithology. What's that? Under zoology. She leaned over the desk and pointed down a corridor of shelves, then stopped and looked Billy over. Are you a member? What do you mean a member? A member of the library? Billy pressed a finger into the ink pad on the desk and inspected the purple graining on the tip. I don't know out about that. I just want to lend a book on falconry, that's all. You can't borrow books unless you're a member. <laughs> now... We're both we are, going accent crazy. We're going accent crazy. We are standing outside Barnsley Library. The Barnsley new library. At, library at the light box, the new library. The old library is uh, no longer here, the one that Billy would have went into. It's got a neon sign that says, Barnsley's fierce love holds you forever in its heart. Which sounds like it should be a quotation, right? But I don't recognise it. Perhaps it's from uh, Road to Wigan Pier by George Orwell. Uh, mm-hmm. It doesn't he, sound like George Orwell. He stayed, Orwell. it doesn't, does it? But he did stay here for a while. On his way to Wigan? Well, in the book, in the, he, he mentions staying with, with a working-class family here, and he criticises the council for spending so much money on their enormous town hall and not spending it on decent homes and jobs for working It is people. an enormous town hall. 1933 it opened. It's, <laughs> it's massive. It's big, right? It's very. It's a, it's a monument to uh, civic vanity pride, whatever you want to say. But the, uh, the new Barnsley, which we're, we're quite liking, aren't we? I mean, we're at the Glass Works, which is kind of a shopping centre, restaurant place. The new library, uh, we, we, it was rather unpromising un- un- when we went in, because the ground floor 
just has didn't have very many books on it. And we no, went, it didn't. Where are all the books? Where are all the books? Uh, I felt like a terrible old man saying, I've come to the library and there didn't seem any books And there was very here. poor signage. And then we went up a floor and there was more books, but they were all fiction. We looked so for Barry Hines. We looked for Barry They didn't have Barry Hines. No Barry fiction, Hines. No Barry Hines. So then we went and spoke to a very nice lady who was uh, giving information. And we said... We did our usual stick, saying we're doing a podcast about. Hello, I'm from London. Kestrel for a name. We've come to do a podcast. We're looking for books on a falconry, and then I made the mistake of going, "Have you read it?" And she rolled her eyes, going, "Of course, I've read it. Yeah. I'm a librarian in Barnsley." <laughs> and then she said, "Well, they'll be upstairs in non-fiction unless they've been nicked." An illusion which I failed to get because I kind of went, "Oh, do people steal them?" She goes, "Oh, well, no, Billy stole them." And then we got into a bit of a debate. I said, "Well, actually, didn't steal it from the library; stole it from the bookshop." So we went up to the top floor, and uh, we found not one, not two, but three books on falconry. Yeah. Filed next to the how to be a writer section. <laughs> I don't know if that's some librarian having a bit of a joke. It's good, because they also, in the natural history section, they had a, several books on kestrels and raptors generally. Yeah. They Obviously people come in and ask, right? Yeah, but you would have thought there'd be a little bit more signage on the ground floor saying... Welcome to yeah. Kes Country. Well, Here's well, the Kes section. Ian McMillan comes from Barnsley. There wasn't even an Ian McMillan. I was expecting, you know, I've already had one life-size effigy of Cliff Richard this morning. There should at least be a life-size effigy of Ian McMillan in Barnsley. At the moment, all I can see is a life-size effigy of a, a, a fairly old woman in a, in a swimsuit raising her arms. I've got no idea what that's for. There's lots of new buildings here. It seems quite on the up, doesn't it? As we drove in, there was a massive business park with lots of really quite new buildings in the business park. Very well-trimmed lawns. There's a lot of new schools and academies here and new buildings, new library. Do we know what colour the local council is? No, but I'm just very... The the Victorian arcade is a bit run down. We were were looking for a bookshop, but then, then we stepped out into the new modern bit with the Barnsley markets and you can almost smell the capital investment incredible isn't it it is uh, it's astroturf i'm afraid they're using astroturf yeah. instead of real grass <laughs> in the middle of the yeah uh, they get they get demerit marks for that minus points for that yeah. but apart from that it's on it feels like it's on the up hello everyone my name is harry well By the end of the 60s, Scargill had become the outstanding young man of the Yorkshire pits. I was very critical not only of the older leadership, but of the restraining effect that it was having upon uh, not only this pit, but of the whole of the industry. It was during this period, you will remember, that the industry lost 400,000 men and over 300 pits. And this was at a time when we were being praised to the skies by the Conservative and Labour governments for our responsibility and for our statesmanlike attitude in the trade union world. I had another word for it. I called it collaboration. Collaboration in bringing about our own downfall as an industry. So the book comes out in 1968. So we can do our usual thing of trying to give you, the listener, a sense of what was going on in the world in 1968 when Mm -hmm. this book came out. Mm -hmm. I've got a couple of themes I want to explore. One is the death of the old world. He's talking about mining, and obviously it's really in the 80s that the miners strike. The real death knell of the mining industry happens under Thatcher. But it is already happening here. The Baggeridge Colliery. Yeah in the black country, was the last coal mine in the black country to be yeah, so the black country mining ended in 1968. That, right? that also that the cotton trading ceased in Manchester at the Royal Exchange in 1968. Oh, I didn't get that. That's a good one. Yeah, so there's a cotton trade gone, and also the last steam train service yep. happened. Yep. So if you think steam, mining, cotton, coal, all, cotton. Ha- coal yeah. all have a bad year. Obviously, the pound was suffering again this year. They devalued the pound the year before. They had to, they had to do it again in 1968. Uh, I'm, none of that was really related to Billy Casper. I'm also sure um, he probably didn't buy the White Album that came out in 68. Big year. Big year for the Beatles. All the kinks of the Village Green Pres- Preservation Society came out in 1968. Regular listeners will know that I tend to, during this period, I tend to sort of chart the world by Pink Floyd. Yes. Big year. What was 68? Sort of full of secrets, but it's, it's the year that Sid Barrett leaves the leaves band and Dave Gilmore joins the band. Mm-hmm. Sort of beginning of the end, really. 
<laughs> along with you know, along with cotton, says lo- says the Sid Barrett fan. <laughs> along with cotton, mining, coal, steam, okay. is basically Pink Floyd. Well, you know, became a different band. They weren't even Pink Floyd after that. Rather Come on, more, you know, we talked about uh, this quite a lot in our our Rats podcast, which yeah. I uh, I commend to you. The Ronan Point Tower Block collapse was 1968. Oh, you did a lot of 68 uh, after you? gas That's explosion, right. but all, but rather again rather terribly, Enoch Powell made his Rivers of Blood speech Ooh. in April 1968. Yes, there's a lot of demos for the Vietnam War as well, isn't it? So it's yeah. quite, the things are kicking off a bit. Well, it's they? also, obviously, the 68 revolutions in lowercase in Paris and... In France. In France. Do you think yeah. anyone in Barnsley gave a shit about what happened in France? There was a, yeah, it, it, I doubt it. Actually, I'll tell you the other thing that you will find very interesting about 1968, which I've, I've found for you, is just as there's a changing of the guard in terms of industry. In music, there's a bit of a changing of the guard as well, isn't there? Obviously, as one generation of music dies, another rises, doesn't it? Okay. So Led Zepp performed for the first time. As the new Yardbirds. But look, I found, this is on the internet, I didn't realise you could do this, which is you just find what bands are formed in any particular year. Okay. Deep Purple. Okay, excellent. Black Sabbath. All good. Nazareth. Mm. Yes. Rush. <laughs> they formed in 1968, did yes, they really? they did. I did not know that. And Jethro Tull and King Crimson. Well, okay. So that's quite it's a list, isn't a, it? It's uh, definitely a white rock era emerging. <laughs> that is quite, quite, a, quite, a, quite a, a roster, set. isn't it? That's quite a set, isn't it? Of like, look out, they're coming. <laughs> they're coming. Here come the drum Through solos. The trees. Here come the drum solos. <laughs> Someone who was like, Doing very well in 1968, who I think is an interesting character to think about, is Harry Worth. <laughs> okay. You, you didn't see that coming, did you? You might need to explain who, who, to almost everyone listening to, why to, I'm talking who might ever listen why to, I'm talking, who the hell is Harry who Worth. Who the hell is Harry Worth? Well, he was a comedy actor. Significantly, he was born in Hoyland Common. Oh, right, okay. The son of a miner. He did actually work in the mines for a bit. He was obviously one of those working-class guys who was sort of rescued a bit by the war, weirdly, that he joined the Royal Air Force and he got involved in amateur dramatics and uh, those kind of shows. He got really into ventriloquism. Really? Quite a good ventriloquist. Was he? Yes, apparently. And he took that too. This is going to... You're going to like this. Is that he did an audition in 1949 for the Windmill Theatre. Oh, that pops up quite a lot in this podcast, yeah. the Windmill Theatre. He did an audition at the same time as Tony Hancock and Morecambe and Wise. We were saying the goons met at Windmill Theatre yeah. and that they all probably drank round the corner yeah. at the pub where John Wyndham was hanging did, out. Yeah. So John Wyndham would have seen Harry Worth's ventriloquist act, I reckon. Okay. <laughs> just a little, just to join up the dots. You've gone quite a long way into Harry Worth without mentioning the most famous thing about Harry Worth. Actually, I've got this in here. It says, so the opening titles of the Harry Worth show featured Worth stopping in the street to perform an optical trick involving a shop window, raising one arm and one leg which were reflected in the window, thus giving the impression of levitation. Reproducing this effect... That's literally the only thing I know know know. about Harry Worth. It's known as doing a Harry Worth. Do you know where it first happened? No. It happened in St Anne's Square, Manchester, where we were for a previous podcast, at Hector Powell's tailor's shop, so right next door to George Best's nightclub. Okay. (laughs) It's all jo- I love the way this all joins it's up. It's all joins up, right? I feel that if Arthur Scargill had learned ventriloquism, the whole of British history would have been different. <laughs> Very worth it had a kestrel. You're listening to the Curiously Specific Book Club, the podcast that's curiously specific about dates and locations in well-known books. If you want to hear the next episode of this podcast without any ads, and you want to hear it right now, you need to check out our Patreon page. Yes, just go to Patreon and search for Curiously Specific and sign up. If you do that, you'll not only get early access to the shows, but we put up all our show notes there with the links we talk about. And uh, we take photos of our field trips and uh, we try and put maps up. We try and draw maps. Oh, well, in a minute you're going to discover why a map of Hoyland is going to be quite tricky to do. It's going to be quite tricky, but we can show where Hoyland is in relation to Barnsley and Sheffield anyway. Yeah, and at Um, the higher tiers you can actually get involved in a community stuff where you can talk to us directly if you really want to. Yes, we have a Discord server. Head over to patreon.com, search for Curiously Specific, hand over a, a, a... 
an embarrassingly tiny amount of money. Uh, and uh, you'll get the podcast without any ads as soon as they're available directly into your podcast app of choice. But we're always going to be publishing these podcasts for free on the, on the main podcast feed. But you'll have to put up with ads and you won't get them straight away. Very good. Now back to the podcast. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The wood ended at a hawthorn hedge lining one side of a cart track. Across the track and beyond an orchard stood the monastery farm and at the side of it the ruins and one remaining wall of the monastery. Billy walked along the hedge bottom searching for a way through. He found a hole and as he crawled through a kestrel flew out of the monastery wall and veered away across the fields. Pretty good, huh? So we're uh, we're sitting looking at that monastery right now. Monastery Farm. Yeah, it's not called Monastery Farm, is it? But no, it's, I think uh, it's called Old Farm, isn't it? Old Farm. It's a, um, this is is this Black Lane? I think it might be Black Lane. It's what he calls the but the cart track, isn't it? We're a bit discombobulated. Well, it's been a bit of a it's been a bit of an adventure getting up here because on the OS map it all looks very very easy. So we're we're near Hoyland Common, the town Hoyland Common, which is separate to Hoyland which is where Billy uh, lives in the book. And uh, it took some effort getting up here. There's a car coming up the carts track because they're building a massive thing between be here estate, and Hoyland Common. It's like an estate of some kind. You'd think I think so. they must be building a new housing. And so the, the path that you take, the path that Billy takes from Hoyland Common is, is closed. Hopefully, listener, by the time you come and do your adventure, it'll be open again, the public footpath. They're not going to close down the public. They wouldn't dream of just getting rid of a public footpath. Well, it's, it's more than a public. It's, the, it's quite a big pop footpath. It's the Barnsley circuit route or something okay. like that. Yeah. You can, may not be able to pick it up on the microphone, but the hum of the M1 is Ooh, something else that would right not have It's right behind been. this farm. Right behind this so farm. So that wouldn't have been that there. That wouldn't have been there. So there's now going to be a massive housing estate one side and the M1 the other. It's quite odd, I think isn't it? Billy so Casper would find it quite odd. <sighs> Billy Casper would find it odd. And I'm not sure a kestrel would, ne- would nest here anymore. It's would quite, they? It's quite noisy. Well, I, th- I think there's probably still quite a lot of good catching for kestrels. Yeah. But it's very good, Tim. You know, you've, you found this place. I didn't find it. I had somewhere completely different in mind because I was just looking for a monastery rather than yeah. this place. But this is definitely it in terms of the relationship with the town. Yeah, when up you there. follow the It's book. just a damn shame we can't reenact the actual route w- walk he takes. Yeah, but you can reenact the climbing. 
I'm not climbing up that. Are you going to read that bit? <laughs> the moon was almost complete, its outline well defined, except for the blur on the waxing curve. I love that. The sky was cloudless, the air still warm, but when he reached the fields it cooled slightly, taking on a fresher, sharper quality. The moon made it light in the fields and lent the grass a silver sheen. Says he, as you climb, your feet and hands, they dislodge a trickle of plaster and stone dust and birds brushed his knuckles as they flashed out of their nest holes. Yes. So you've got to do that with that. OK, I'll do dislodge all Dislodge a small stone or a lump of plaster and then you have to put your hand in and, yep. and find the chicks. Yeah. So when he had emptied the nest, he reversed the procedure, dipping into his pocket for an IS, an IS, baby kestrel. Ah. And holding it in one hand while he compared it with another, by a process of elimination, he placed them back into the nest until he was left with only one, the one with most feathers and only a little down on its head. It lowered it back into the pocket, then held his hand up to catch the light of the moon. Both back and the palm were bleeding and scratched, as though he had been nesting in a hawthorn hedge. And that's then, lovely, isn't it? That's really lovely. When he reached the bottom of the wall, he opened his jacket and clucked down into the pocket. The weight at the bottom stirred. He placed one hand underneath it for support and set off back across the orchard. Once over the wall, he started to whistle, and he whistled and hummed to himself all the way home. <laughs> no, I wouldn't be listening to Radio 4, no, would he? <laughs> ah, very good. Very good. That would be that, wouldn't it? <laughs> that was the music from the Hovis commercial. As good uh, now, listener. as it's always been. Well, it came from Barnsley. Barnsley. Hovis. As good now as it's, it's always, always been. been. So, uh, uh, this is very good, Tim. This Thank is very you. Good. This is definitely where he comes. He comes here twice. Second this is time, where Kez Second is time born. with his book on Falconry. This is where Kez is kidnapped, basically. Yes. So, lest we forget... So yes, listen. It's illegal to do this. It's illegal to do, and it. Uh, you mustn't do it. No, and it's not it. to be glamorised or romanticised in any way whatsoever. Absolutely not. Right, so I'm can... off to climb up the wall then. Yeah, good luck, mate. All right, I'll and see so, you on. I'll um, see you in the other side. No, I'll see you in the uh, Hoyland Working Men's Club in about two hours. All Lovely. right, okay. <laughs> At least we found one thing, which was the monastery farm wall. So that I'm, was ex- I'm really pleased exciting. About that. And I would, I would say as well that it's it's the same wall in the film. It's also the same wall in the Greg Davis documentary. So that bit all makes and sense. And the telegraph right? poles. I mean, I, that was that was that was one of those slightly shivery moments on this yeah, podcast. He's definitely you been know, here. This is it. I reckon Barry sat here with his notebook out and yeah. sketched it. We sat on a bench, didn't we? And it was it was great. Apart from the enormous lorries. Yeah. So there's a huge redevelopment going on around Hoyland Common at the moment. That was or, a bit of a shock when we turned up. Wasn't real it? shock. I mean, and also you know. I think we should be, you know, saying on this podcast that if you want to get any kind of a sense of what it must have been like in 1968 when this book came out, to walk from Hoyland Common up to that wall, and you can't, you really can't anymore. They've shut the public footpath. They've shut the that public, kind of thing. Gets and they just go digging. You, it. Yeah, I hope they're restoring the public footpath because if they take it away, then that's they, yeah. they're destroying an important cultural path and, to my uh, mind. It's a really controversial development as well. They're building a, a distribution hub for Hermes called Colossus. Hermes? Yeah. Hermes, Hermes do don't need a distribution. They just basically put stuff in the back of the lorry and throw it over a wall. They just throw it over your wall. In, an indiscriminate wall. And obviously the reason they're doing that is because it's right next to the M1. It's become quite controversial up, up there. So I'm getting this from the, the Yorkshire Post in uh, November 2020. Barnsley South Neighbourhood Policing Team appealed on social media for objectors not to attempt to gain access to the site near Barnsley, where you know the site we're talking about, after reports the contractors were pelted with missiles while oh. driving to work. And uh, they're going to build, wait for it, a massive total of 100 new homes. Well, you don't need that many people in a distribution centre, do you? Yeah, well, I thought, in, in the end, they're going to suck all the oxygen out of them and just have robots in there, yeah, aren't they? you would think. So in Barnsley's local plan, adopted in 2019, land to the north of Hornham Common was allocated for residential employment use, and land to the west was allocated for employment and residential use. Yes, there's it's a Hoyland just, West. It's the same thing, just with the words the other way around. Well, there's a Hoyland West uh, master plan and a Hoyland South master and plan. And a Hoyland North, yeah. Yeah, so, somebody's got a master plan for Hoyland. Yes, they've already built Gateway 36. That uh, game sounds very dystopian. Harworth, Harworth Group. Overview and vision. Harworth have transformed the former Rockingham Colliery, 
Come on to that. Into Gateway 36, a new high-quality mixed-use development adjacent to Junction 36 of the M1 with direct frontage onto the Dern Valley Parkway in Barnsley. And, you know, just to just to rub our noses in it, Tim, mm. the map of uh, this new development, mm. the sort of the access road is called, wait for it, Kestrel Way. Oh, no. No, no, no. It's like, uh, oh, yeah, we no. know what we're doing. Oh, I feel I can I can hear Barry spinning in his grave. That's bad. Well, without wanting to, without wanting to play the middle class NIMBY too far, I suppose you could argue that the Rockingham Colliery, which it replaced, was a far uglier, worse place to work, frankly, than this rather gleaming new uh, business park. Yes, that's possibly true. And part of the problem we have here is that if they've crumped over the mines and then they put distribution centres over the top where the mines were, it's quite hard to. And then they built new homes subsequently mm. since 1968. It is quite hard to understand what it was like back in the day. Well, I think right? there's a few things that you can say, right? The only reason Hoyland Common is there is because of the mines. Completely. It's surrounded by them, surrounded right? Surrounded by so mines. So it's got, it's got Rockingham to the northwest, hasn't it? And it's got... There's another El one Sakar, there as well. Elsa Car to the southeast. Yeah. Um, and then um, Tankersley had a, Tankersley, was mining yeah. a community well, to so the so south. Well, Rockham Colliery, the thing about Rockham Colliery, though, which is where... Barry Hines worked, where his dad worked. Yeah. It would have been a huge place because it wasn't just a colliery. It was also a Coke works. Yeah, really, so, really big. Um, they're, they're massive coking ovens. So, And they would have had what they call ropeways from the other mines taking coal across the landscape okay. to Rockingham. Yeah, yeah. So it wouldn't have just been the collieries you could see. They were following the seam as well, weren't they? Yeah. It goes along there. Yeah, right? yeah. So, it's, uh, so Barnsley had four, there's 47 collieries listed by Northern Mine Research Society on the Barnsley Coalfield. And more than three-quarters of them were in operation in 1966. And Rockingham had wow. five collieries, I think, five other pits within five miles of Rockingham. That's incredible, isn't it? It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Would have been and, a completely and you, and different landscape. And if you landscape. go there now, you can't get any sense of that at all. No. Um, I noticed uh, just north of there as well is another coal mine, Cortonwood. Yeah. Which is where the eighty four eighty five miners' strike started. The threatened closure of Cortonwood was the trigger for the start of the miners' strike. Well, Rockingham, Coll- Rockingham Colliery actually closed in nineteen seventy nine. It closed before the miners' strike. That's interesting, isn't it? I mean, that community must have been absolutely devastated by the miners' strike absolutely. in eighty four eighty five. And Billy Casper would have been um, thirty five. <laughs> yeah. Some roughly, th- he'd been yeah. in his mid thirties yeah. when that happened to him. Yeah, but he would have been. You think it's bad now that his brothers killed his pet kestrel? Those mid thirties. Do you think we're supposed to think that because because Judd kills the pet kestrel, he ends up down the mine? I think so. Yeah, I think that that's the end of his hopes and dreams. Yeah, yeah, I do. So not only would he have gone down the mine, he also would have been made redundant, and then he'd have to end up at the retail park centre working at the McDonald's, probably. Yeah, absolutely, or something like that. I'm going to just just to sum up the the colliery thing I mentioned before, Arthur Scargill. I was very intrigued by this. Um, they're they're almost exactly the same age, Barry Hines and Arthur Scargill. One year, less than one year between them. And he was born in the village, the next village along. He was born in Warsborough, Warsborough Dale near Barnsley. Literally the next village along. And he left school in 1953 at 15 years old to work as a coal miner at the Woolly Colliery, which he worked at for 19 years. So Barry Hines and Arthur Scargill were actually down the mines at the same time. That's right, yeah. The only difference, I think, is that in 1955, so he's very young then. So when is that? 53, so he's 15 then. So at 17, he joins the Young Communist League, becoming its Yorkshire district chair in 1956. So when he's 18, he becomes the Yorkshire district chair of the Young Communist League. There's nothing League. in the Barry Hines biographies that I can read that suggests that he joined any kind of a party at any point. But he didn't. He, he, he was living and working in that area until, until he was elected to the uh, NUM Executive Committee in 1969. So basically, when this book came out is when, when he went national. But up up to that point, he's he's a local figure. Arthur We've done Scargill. all that without really explaining to anyone who Arthur Scargill is. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I just assume <laughs> everybody knows he's, who Arthur is. He's a massive is. figure in our in our lives. Well, obviously, he was he, he, he was, was the, he, he was, was the head of the National, national Union, Union of Miners at the time of the miners' strike in 19. 19- when when Margaret. The basic history here is that that when the Tories came to power in the the, 79s, no, in the the 70s under Edward Heath, the union was very powerful and went on strike a lot and caused power cuts and and 
the Tory party never quite forgave the NUM. Never quite forgave them. For what they think was driving the Tories out, as it were. Mm. So when they got back in in 1978, it was one of Margaret Thatcher's missions was to smash the union. And the person who was in charge of the union at the time was Arthur Scargill. So in our teen years, is it mm. teen years? Yeah, yeah. The big national story was Margaret Thatcher versus Arthur Scargill, it wasn't was. it? It really about, was. And for the soul of Britain, really. Now we're talking about police being shipped up from southern England in, in buses to to break strikes and to yeah. it was basically it was it was I would say it's probably the nearest we're ever going to see in our lifetimes of, to a civil war it was just extraordinary kind of uh, yeah and the police being used as a political tool as absolutely well. no question police being used as a standard standing army his innovation by the way which I hadn't realized before this is that he, he it was his idea to invent flying pickets yeah. they, they weren't such a thing before that there was no acapella groups at all. No, that's right. Unbelievable. No doo wop in Britain. In, <laughs> North, in, in the no North, I, anyway. I knew I, we had it in London. I had no idea. We had it in London. I had no idea Arthur Scargill was into that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, look at his hair. Yeah. Of course he that's is. That's true. Good point. <laughs> so, interesting parallel life, I'd Very say. Very interesting. And, and a sense of a bit of Billy Casper in there. What sort of person were you when you wrote the book? That's a, that's a difficult question. Well, you know, were you cocky, were you? Yeah, I was cocky, really. I was quite... I think I was a bit awkward. When I was a teacher, I would be arguing in the staff room about things, about politics and about teaching and about education and that sort of thing. What were you angry about? About class, mainly, I suppose. That's what I was angry about. People who've got loads of money and never earned any. Um, I think that, that's what I was... that really got me. But some people are so poor, and they have such, you know, poor lives. But rich people never say that they're rich. They're always hard up, aren't they? Billy passed two miners returning silently from the night shift. A man in overalls cycled by, treading the pedals slowly. The four of them converged and parted, pursuing their various destinations at various speeds. Billy reached the recreation ground. The gate was locked. So he stepped back and sprang onto the interlaced wire fence, scaled it and placed one foot on top, ready for the descent. His pumps and jeans were saturated and there was dog shit on one hand. Nice. He wiped it in the grass, smelled his fingers, then ran across the football pitch. Behind the top goal, the rows of children's swings had all been wrapped round their horizontal supporting bars. He found a dog hole in the fence at the other side of the pitch and crept through onto the city road. A double-decker bus passed, followed closely by two cars. So we're sitting in the King George V playing field. In Hoyland uh, Common. In, uh, in Hoyland Common. Yeah. Obviously windy. the fact that it's King George V playing field makes us confident that it was there in 1962. And we're right by the swings. We are standing. So there's a, there's pl- a football, there's a football pitch, pitch that with a, a traditional old metal post. Does run gently downhill. So there is a top goal and a bottom goal. Yeah. And behind the top goal, there are some swings. Uh, and then right next to us is a wire fence with a dog and, hole. And cut. we're sitting right next to a, 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 hole, a wire fence with a big hole in it. Yeah. So that. So it's quite. It work. It, that that bit works. I mean, we, we we've been struggling a bit, there, oh. haven't we? We've been struggling oh, a bit because Barry um, Hines. He's, he's described it really vividly, all the yeah, stuff you going like on. You come here and you think, well, this is going to be easy. <laughs> it's just not easy. It just doesn't seem to map onto... I mean, he talks about it being called Valley Estate. Hoyland Common's not in a valley. It's at the top of a hill. It's definitely the right town because of where the farm is in the, and, the, and the Kestrel Wall. So it's the yeah. right place. Yeah. But the way he describes it is not as it is. Um, well, that's his route from his house from his house to so he, he the paper shop. He jumps over a front wall, runs down the avenue, and then he gets to the recreation field. So the only way this works, therefore, is if he doesn't break into the park from the south side. No. Um, he, he, he breaks into it from the west side, west side and runs across to the east yeah. and then jumps out. Actually, you'd go through the co-op or Holin Road and on onto the Sheffield Road, yeah. uh, just by Tankersley Lane. Yeah. Don't worry, listener. If you're a Patreon subscriber, we're going to draw a map of this. <laughs> we're going to draw a map and make the, sense of it. We're going to draw a map of where, yeah, the yeah, bits that don't so, quite uh, work. So of, of where we where we think Billy Casper sort of runs from his house to the news agents and does his news round. Yeah. But if you're not a patient supporter, this bit might be a bit confusing to you. So you better pay up your two well, quid to be fair, if you want quite, the map. It's quite confusing to me. Yeah. 
Now the only other. But if it comes from that direction yes. over there, uh, from the what west, did we find over there? What, well, we found something interesting over there. We found Barry Hines's house. Barry Hines's house. So Barry Hines was living in that direction. So Barry Hines came out the back of his house and jumped over the fence into the park from there. Yeah. He could come across here and go, go through, through that, that dog hole and there. get out onto the Sheffield Road. Yeah. The issue with that though is, is that he only lived there from 1971. So, ah. so our best bet is that Barry Hines bought <laughs> Billy Casper's house. After he'd written the book, he realised, oh, that's going to be quite a convenient way for me to get to the newsagents. I've already worked out. That's all. He made so little money for the book, he had to keep yeah, his to teaching explain, job and take a paper explain to his Explain to his <laughs> wife, why have you bought this house? Well, actually, it's very convenient. It's handy for my paper round. <laughs> very convenient. <laughs> Everything about this place works in terms of feel. You know, the old houses... The, the estate houses, the semi-detached houses, which he describes. Yeah, it's all really good. It's just the layout of the the town. Doesn't that he's quite. We haven't quite worked out, have we? We've been here before on this podcast, where we haven't been able to find something. And um, there are t- there are two approaches at this stage. Yours is get mine in the is, car. Mine is. I just I can't. I can't be bothered. <laughs> get in the car. Your approach is to go. No. To carry on worrying away at it. Yeah, like keep a wandering dog around with a bone. Keep wandering around. Yeah. Well, we haven't got that much time. We've got to uh, go home eventually. We've got to drive back to London. Do we have to go home. So that's the end of part one. We leave you in a playing field, not knowing where we are, what we're doing, what time it is. Essentially, a bit lost. A bit lost. So there's a bit of a cliffhanger here. A bit of a cliffhanger. Are we actually going to find anything? about this book that actually maps on Billy's house so there's a cliffhanger so if you want to know about Billy's house and his school and his fish and chip shop you need to listen to part two and the and the date that uh Castle may be set in. Yes, possibly. Yeah, yes. possibly. Then you need to listen to part two. If you're a Patreon subscriber, you can get to part two immediately without ads. It's already there. It's already there. Waiting for you. Clever, clever. <laughs> Otherwise, you have to wait for a week yeah. to resolve this um, this tense cliffhanger. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see you back here in a week. Yeah, uh, we'll just be hanging around the uh, playing field until then. Yeah, uh, uh, Lloyd will be trying to get back in his car and go home, and I'll <laughs> and I'll be standing in the middle of nowhere, staring at my mobile phone. I'll be sitting there going, "Can we just drive?" Yeah, and, and getting more and saying, "Can you get off your phone and stop? <laughs> Can we go and eat something?" Or <laughs> I'm hungry. Can we drive? <laughs> I'm going. No, no, no. I'm going to find it eventually. If I open enough tabs on my phone, I'll oh, find it. I'm having flashbacks. <laughs>